Howdy friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and would love to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International Podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used to help you, equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. And it's super fun because we do this by using a combination of exploring biblical principles, as well as taking concepts found in our Journey of Restoration CPR style e-course, and then having tons and tons of discussion surrounding what it truly means to follow Jesus in these three areas. So we're very, very excited today because once again, we're going to be sitting down with the No Boundaries International co-founder and vice president, Sandy Orchard. Hello. Woohoo! <laughs> and really what we want to talk about today is the fear of the Lord and specifically like to go along with that, then the presence of God and to really kind of hit on that the presence of God leads us to experience the fear of the Lord. And so as we touch on this subject, what we really want to invite the listeners to do is to really reflect on how you respond to the presence of God and what feelings comes up whenever you're aware of his presence and what happens in that. So with that, Sandy, why don't you go ahead and take it away? All right. Well, um, today I just want to kind of, for us to have just a little bit of a different conversation um, but I want us to have, and Molly, you explained it well. So just kind of what happens when we encounter God, whether that's like through prayer or worship, or maybe we're in a church service or just kind of like doing life in general. And I know that's kind of a big, broad topic, but I want to kind of steer this uh, conversation down a little bit different road. Um, and and a lot of this comes out of my own personal testimony. So uh, I just thought I'd share just a little bit of my testimony. Yeah. So I became... Um, a Christian pretty early on in life. I was raised by Christian parents and um, became a Christian uh, in middle school. And so uh, we went to church like all the time, every Sunday and a lot of times on Wednesdays and stuff. But as I was in church, and I was really grateful to be brought up in that environment, but Mm -hmm. as I went through church, whether it's through my own filter or whether that's actually what the church, like the leaders were saying at the time, but I really got the message that, that being a Christian was about being a good person. Oh, and following all the rules, and a lot of those rules are in the Bible, right? And um, and I just I didn't really f- grasp fully grasp the whole concept of what it is to have a relationship with Christ, and so that could have been my fault. I mean, I don't know. So, but um, as I grew and grew older in life, I I just uh, like defining Christianity as as obeying being the good person and obeying the rules. I really I grew frustrated. Yeah, And so as I went in life, continued on in life, the older I got, I just really um, became, uh, you know, it was hard and it just seemed really kind of empty and it just felt kind of like on a hamster wheel kind of thing. Yes. And so I really became frustrated. And so, um, again, not fully understanding what it meant to have that relationship. And so I just thought, like my whole rule following thing, I mean, I thought that was the relationship, you know. And so here I was, I'm like empty and I'm frustrated. I'm just really, um, I'm ready to quit the whole thing. And so um, I really had kind of a crossroads moment, like what was I going to do? And so I knew that I was at this crossroads. And But even through all my frustration, I knew that somehow, some way that Jesus really was the answer. Yeah. And I think it was the, it was the somehow, some way that I was defining wrong. 
And so I, uh, I just decided, like, I'm just going to lay this whole thing out with God. And me and God are going to have this conversation. <laughs> and, uh, and I just decided, like, just to be honest with God and uh, just lay it out on the table, so to speak. And really, that was probably the best and the smartest thing I could have done. Um, because, I mean, he's God. He's, he's really big enough to take that sort of thing. Um, I mean, and it really, from my side of it, I needed to be honest Yeah. and I needed to, to lay the whole thing out. So, um, so, you know, there was probably some crying in the conversation and I kind of pretty much threw the towel in, so to speak. But as I'm speaking and I'm like kind of having this conversation, conversation with God, I realized that really the whole thing probably is my fault. And it like the whole process part, part of it really centered about around me in, in a way that I'm doing something wrong. Right. I just had this gut feeling like this is really probably all on me and probably not on God. Yeah. Cause I knew enough about the Bible to know that, you know, it said in the Bible that he's faithful and good and true. And so I knew his character. I was so starting, I was starting to learn. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really know it very well because if you're not in relationship, you're not going to see the heart and the character of God very well. Right. And so, um, so, you know, I, I felt like it was a, that all those, that time of the rule following thing, it felt like a waste and it felt wrong. And so I knew I had to do something different. And so basically I'm like at ground zero with the whole following Jesus thing. Um, and, you know, I really brought some questions to my mind. I mean, what is it to follow Jesus? This is the questions I'm asking myself. Yeah. So what is it to follow Jesus? And really the bigger question is like, who am I following? Like, who is this guy, Jesus? Mm-hmm. What is his nature like? What's his heart like? What does he think? I mean, what what compels him? And so um, those are the sort of uh, questions after I kind of surrendered and I repented, like, God, I've, I've obviously done this thing wrong. And, um, I, you know, I just asked for you to forgive me, but I really want to, I want to do this thing different. And I want to know who you are and I want to know your heart and I want to know what your nature is like, like you as the person and you as the God. And so that really shifted everything for me. And so one of the things that I want to talk about today kind of falls in that line of discovering, like, who is this person, Jesus, that I'm following and in in relationship and not right. in the whole rule following thing. So not in just being able to know things about him, but to like know him. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Wow. To really to know his heart and, uh, and, and some of that is you're going to find some of that in prayer. And then some of it you're going to see the God's going to reveal himself in the, in the word, in the scriptures. Yeah. And so, you know, he's, as I was making that prayer and, and really opening the Bible with a kind of a new lens, um, you know, he was really kind to me and, and he still is kind to me and that he, he reveals himself to me in prayer and he reveals himself to me in the Bible. So when I say I, I opened my Bible, like after that whole kind of crossroads experience, now I've opened my Bible and I, and I realized even from starting all over, I kind of felt like just the fact that I have the Bible is probably a miracle. Yeah. And so, I mean, if God, I, cause I really had the, the rolling conversation in my head. If, if, if God has preserved this book for us after thousands of years and all these different authors, and I didn't really, I mean, I kind of knew the basics about the Bible, but, um, but if God's preserved this book for us, then there must be something like crazy valuable to come out of this thing. Cause why in the, in the heck would, would this book survive thousands of years? It's not a coincidence. Yeah. I mean, God has something for us and for me. And so, 
So going at it from that angle and realizing this is a really valuable tool, kind of, it really helped me to respect it a lot more. And so again, it, it kind of pointed me to slow way down and then asking Jesus to help me, asking the Holy Spirit to help, because that's what it actually says in the Bible. I didn't mm-hmm. realize it at the time, but, and to use my imagination and then to ask questions. I actually um, heard somebody a couple of years ago say, you know, one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest tools you can use in your walk with Jesus is to be curious. Yeah. And so um, that's, I just decided to kind of do all those things together as I tried to pursue Jesus. And so going back to my big question, who, who is, who's this God that I've surrendered to? And so one of the little, uh, cause you know, everything about being in relationship with Jesus is like a journey. And a thing about a journey, like, like, especially like if you go on a vacation, mm-hmm. like the fun part of the journey is the discovery. Yeah. And so like going on a trip, you discover things you've never seen before or never uh, experienced before. And so that's what I came to realize that's really what it is like with Jesus, and especially in the long haul mm-hmm. for years at a time. And so one of what we're about, me and Molly, what we're about to do is is really cover some verses that really changed how I looked at God. And so I'm going to have Molly um, read some verses. And so uh, Molly, can you read Isaiah 6, 1 through 5? Yeah, I can. Okay, so Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorsteps and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Hmm. Wow. Okay, that's good. Okay, so right there uh, at the very beginning, Molly, what do you see, like, what was the response in that interaction between Isaiah and God? What was Isaiah's response? fear. He says, woe to me. I am ruined. Yeah. Okay. So like, I'm just going to ask the simple questions. So he's, he's got fear. Um, and rightly so. I mean, if you read the thing, it's, he's, he's in the throne room with Jesus. Um, and what do you like, just what do you kind of notice in the verses? I mean, can you imagine that? (laughs) Like at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. So like everything like, is shaking. Everything is shaking and that you have these creatures that are just crying out holy holy mm-hmm. holy. Like mm-hmm. and if you're in that kind of a the presence uh-huh. and he's probably feeling something that he's never even felt before right. or a trembling that you can't even describe. Like I'm imagining if Something if this whole building just started shaking and started yeah. filling with smoke just suddenly at the at the sight of Jesus who's sitting on his throne and his robe is so long that it fills the whole entire temple like what then how big is he yeah like, exactly these are qu- like how yeah. big is he those are good questions that's like, important okay so now I'm gonna um Molly I'm gonna have you read from the first chapter of Ezekiel and just give you context here's the prophet Ezekiel with with the other Israelites so they've been kidnapped basically 
by uh, an invading army, by an invading king who, who goes into Israel. He takes these Israelites back to the nation. He goes back to Babylon. So they've got a different king now, um, and they're slaves. And so in this chapter, like Ezekiel is by the side of a river, and he's having this encounter with God. And so he sees God in his throne room, and he's describing all these things that he's seeing. So Molly, why don't you read Ezekiel 1, 27 through 28? Okay. It says, I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Okay, that's good. And so what was Ezekiel's response? He fell face down. Yeah. So he... And he saw it, and then he fell face down. Out of fear. Out of fear. Yeah. I mean, he had a pretty strong reaction. Okay. I mean, these are such good, like, sensory experiences. Yes. Uh-huh. Like, Especially I don't think if I've you close like your, Yeah, you close your eyes, and, well... As you read it, you kind of stop and try to imagine these things. He looked like glowing metal as if full of fire. Can you, what does that even mean? Well, it's it's literary language, but really what he's saying is, I it's mean, bright. he's brilliant, he's bright. It's like nothing he's ever seen, especially in context of a person. You just don't see people that look like that, you know? Right. Like, I'm imagining this powerful, glowing something. And it's, in essence, it's totally different than anything we encounter here on Earth. And it's interesting that he is the light, mm-hmm. right? And that that's what he happens to be radiating. I mean, this yeah. says it, it was like a rainbow. Uh-huh appearing as the glory of the Lord, like rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. I mean, can you imagine whenever you see a rainbow and you, I mean, everyone does this that I know Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh look, there's a rainbow and you're pointing and you're showing your friends. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, Whoa, like, and now can you imagine that if that was surrounding like a person? Yeah. Like something's up here, right? Exactly. Okay. Okay. So now let's keep reading. Okay. I I need to read um, Hebrews 12, 21. And so this is a description that's written by the Apostle Paul about, about Moses when Moses encountered God on top of the mountain. Okay. It says, Hebrews twelve twenty one. it says, The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Okay. So he's trembling with fear. fear. Okay. And so one last verse, I want you to read Revelation 1, 17. And so here we have the Apostle John He's actually on the island of Patmos when he had this encounter with Jesus. And look at how he responded. Okay, it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Okay, and so his reaction again was... Is also fear. I fell at his feet as though dead? Yeah. Can you imagine? That's just like full surrender. You give up. Because, like, what can you do? You can't yeah. do anything. Like, you've realized just how tiny yes. and powerless you yes. are. Like, what else could you do? And then could you imagine him saying, I'm the first and the last? Yes. Like, what does that mean? And so that's, like, after reading those kind of verses, that's where I came in my journey with Jesus. And that's the question I want to pose to to the people who are listening is that, so how come I don't have that same reaction when we pray? Like, what am I missing? 
because the lack is always on our side. Yeah. So God is faithful and he's true. And I, but, I, but I think after reading these descriptions, I think that we, especially Western American Christians, we don't have a real, f- uh, like a completely full picture of who this God is that we serve. Right. Because you just read all these encounters, like, and they're crazy encounters that involve the power of God, the awesomeness of God. I mean, you've got living creatures that, that, that are staring at him all day long, like for, for an eternity, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And you're seeing him that has rainbows around him, and you're seeing him that has, like, earthquakes happening you know, in the throne room. I mean, there's all this supernatural stuff going on. Right. And so the question is, how come we don't have that sort of reaction when we, when we encounter Christ? I mean, yeah, look at this. I mean, like, even from all the things that, that we're seeing, we have people responding. The first one in Isaiah, he's responding in confession. I'm ruined from a man of unclean lips. Like, he's in the presence of God, and the first thing he does is... <laughs> Just you, you just start confessing. Yeah, you're like actually I can't do. So this. that's power. Like that's power because and, and it's holiness at the same time because it's confession. He's, and, so he's been he's been he's in the presence of somebody who's so pure and holy. I mean, and it causes him to have that like immediate self reflection. Oh my gosh, compared to to this God, I'm nothing. I've got nothing. Yeah. In fact, I'm incredibly unclean. Yes. And this is what's his face. This is a, a a person that we, you know what I mean? Uh huh. He's a like a prophet, right? Like, he's a prophet. So he's supposed to be like the high man of God. That's what I was yeah. looking for. It's okay. <laughs> I was like he's something. <laughs> yeah. And then right after that, you see, then then you have people falling face down. You have people trembling, and then you have people, you have people falling as though dead. Like you probably like I imagine this like something being in the presence of something so powerful that you immediately get weak in your knees, you fall yes. face first, and you immediately want to start confessing because you're so hyper aware of how how horrible you are in comparison to how holy this is. Mm-hmm. Like it's like kind of like have you ever stood at the bottom of a mountain where you've seen like the endless ocean? Like not even that that's even good comparison, but you just are recognize how small you are, mm-hmm. or you see something so beautiful and you just realize like, you know, you just don't have that in you. Like that is okay. So I guess then like, can you just explain a little bit then? Because you say that all of these people are responding in fear, right? uh So then what, what does that even really mean in this context? Well, so here we have these people, um, they're, they've come, to this confrontation with with God, with a holy God, a pure God, like has unlimited power, just like you said a minute ago. He has un, this just fathomless power and authority. Like it's, it's so different than anything that we experience here on this earth. And so what it causes in them is this, it's this incredible awe, like in a holy and profound respect that they're, they're having with this God encounter with mm-hmm. the, this is the creator of the universe, right? This is like, this is not some guy down the street. This is like the creator. He created everything that we see, everything that we are. He created us. He's so far at, like above anything that we've uh, ever encountered here on earth. Anything we think about, he's so different. He's so holy and so pure. And so they are, they're reacting in what's called the fear of the Lord, and the fear, that's kind of a little bit of a tricky terminology because 
Um, people always say, well, you shouldn't respond in fear. Right. You shouldn't run your life when fear, which is true, but that's a different kind of fear. And so you have the fear of the Lord, which is this, this profound respect and a profound awe that you have for God, where you want to run your whole life in that, where you don't want to have anything, you don't want anything to risk changing that relationship that you have with God. Like, and especially with sin, sin changes your relationships and sin gets in the way. It separates you from in relationship with God. And so because you don't want to hurt that relationship that you have with God, because you have such a profound awe and respect for him that you turn, end up turning, you want to turn away from from sin all the way around versus like, if you have a, uh, a reaction where you may have a God encounter and you want to run. Mm. That's your first thing. You want to run away from God. Yep. And usually that means that if you're running away from God, that usually means you're hiding something. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And so like, can you think of another time maybe about like somebody who they ran away from God and they were trying to cover and. Oh, Adam. Exactly. Good job. It goes all the way back to the garden. We can't make it through <laughs> one podcast without you bringing up Genesis. I know, I know. I had to bring it there. Not, but, single, not a single one. But it is a really good example that um, they their reaction was different. Their reaction was a, hey, we got to hide. We got to run, which usually you know insinuates that there's some kind of sin that they're hiding. Right. Yeah. And so there's a big difference between the fear of the Lord and just the fear when I want to run away because I'm scared. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it just gets, but sometimes that just gets so confused. Uh Like people will oftentimes misplace that, like having a spirit of fear, which the Bible says it's not to have, for you weren't given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound sound mind. mind. Right. Like, and that is a very different than having the fear of the Lord. But there's different, like, other than the fear of the Lord, there's different kinds of fear. And this is important, too, that, like, you can have the fear of man. Right. Where you run your entire life concerned about what other people think or what will they think about if I do this or or a fear of a, a fear of man in the sense that you do things to constantly get approval from people. Yeah. Because you fear the person, you fear man more than you fear God. Right. And those things will interfere with your relationship. Yeah. And all that to say, that's why I think that even as we read these verses, like it really caused me and it's still, and I still do this to have a heart check. Like, what's my view of God? Yeah. Even now, like, am I, do I, am I seeing Jesus correctly that he's holy and he's pure and he, but, but yet he wants to have relationship with me and then I'm not running for some reason. And if there's something that's, that's kind of like unsettled in my heart where I want to kind of hide, I need to find out what is that? What right. is it a sin or something? And I need to give that to Jesus yeah. so that I'm running, like, what's my view of God so that I can look at how am I doing my life? Am I centering my life on him and, and doing everything and wanting to please him and obey him yeah. and to glorify him? Because he's so much bigger. He's so vastly, uh, far superior than anything that we see here on this earth. And he deserves our love and our glory. He, and Jesus gave his life for us. Mm. He paid the ultimate price. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's just so much more to God and I'm that I want to make sure, and this is what I'm encouraging people who are listening to this, to, to ask, what am I not seeing about you, Jesus? And then show me what the truth is about you. 
Um, and that, you know, I said earlier that maybe the whole, maybe my whole view of Christianity revolved around me in the sense that I'm doing this thing wrong, but really the world revolves around Jesus. Yeah. We may not see that, but all of nature responds to Jesus. All of the universe responds to Jesus. And the Bible says that. So the world really does revolve around Jesus. And it's just that like, sometimes I think we get into that place where we just keep questioning though. You know what I mean? And whenever we want to get into that headspace of like, no, I know better. No, I can uh-huh. do it. No, I'm want to be in charge. I want to rule my own life. you've changed the center to you. And now you're, like you just said, like then you're the one making all your d- own decisions. Uh-huh. And it's that self-centered kind of kind of teaching and relationship because there there's not one. Do you know what I mean? Like once you start to become your own reference point yeah. for your own stuff, things are going to go south quickly. Yeah. And then if you are your own reference point, you're going to, you're going to support that in any way you can. Like you're going to, you know, support that with any kind of lie or half truth in order to give yourself permission to believe like that. Right. To keep, cause you got to prop that up. You got to keep that, you got to keep yourself in the center. So you're going to feed that lie to keep it going, you know? Yeah. Versus if you have Christ as the center, everything revolves around him. And then you want to make sure that that you have that pure and holy relationship with him because he's a pure and holy God. Yeah. And so um, I just want to just to kind of turn the conversation a little bit. I want Molly, I want you to read uh, this verses out of Isaiah. And it's okay. a combination of verses. It's uh, Isaiah 40, um, 13 and 14 and 18 and 25. And, and uh, I think Molly's just probably going to read these all together here. Yeah, well, I'll just read them all together. It says... Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Then God directly asks Isaiah, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? And so all that to say, maybe God is a lot bigger than we're taking him granted for. Yeah. And so the the kind of the issue, like I've grown up here in America as as Molly has, and I'm used to like having a president as the the head of the country. I mean, and if you don't like the president, you just kind of wait for four years and hope a new one comes in. Mm-hmm. And and you know he's an elected official. In other words, the most votes and that sort of thing. Versus, I've never grown up in a country where there's a king, and you're loyal to the king. And he may be in power for 30, 40 years. It's a, it's a different mindset. Like when you travel and you uh, go into those countries where they have a king, it's a totally different mindset. And so in a, in a sense, I think Western Christians a lot of time think we have an elected official on the throne Oof. in heaven. Yikes. And it's not like that at all. And so once we can really realize the weakness of how we think about this God that we serve and realize that he's way bigger, like you just read all these verses, yeah. who can give him advice? He's the one that created the earth. I mean, I can barely cook <laughs> like a pancake, you know, with a box mix versus God who created everything out of nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's way smarter than me. Yeah. So I, it's just, a, it's a really good heart check. And and it's an I think it's an invitation from Jesus for us to think about God and about Him in a way bigger sense than we than we currently yeah, do. Yeah, hundred percent. That's so good. And that's where, I mean, how, like you said, like how you can barely cook a pancake, 
And yet it's so in our human desires to want to try to advise the Lord. Yeah. Like, it's just so natural. I mean, we live in a society, especially growing up in the U.S. and in Western culture, where you can kind of do whatever you want Mm -hmm. and then build whatever little miniature kingdom that you want Mm -hmm. to fit whatever your perceived needs are. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I know in the journey of restoration, um, we have this uh, example of a -a Build-A-Bear concept. Maybe you can kind of talk about that a little bit. Yes. Yeah. That's what, that's exactly what we're getting at is like, you know, the store, the Build-A-Bear. Yeah. So that's kind of how we talk about it in the journey of restoration is like you go in the idea for those of you who don't know, but it's like you make your own teddy bear. So they have these stores in the U.S. where you can go and you, you pick out like whatever you want it to look like. You stuff it with however much stuffing you want and you build a bear. You Mm -hmm. build it to make it look like and do whatever you want it to do. How you want it. And so that's how we, that's a lot of times what we'll do with God is so we have a build a Jesus Mm -hmm. or in our minds, we'll have a build a God, a build a Jesus thinking that we're going to make him to fit whatever needs that we have. And this is so dangerous. Yeah. How you said like, then we're not seeing that this is a kingdom. With a king mm-hmm. who has a ruler, like, this is not a democracy. <laughs> you don't get to vote yeah. in the kingdom of heaven. Like, there's one ruler and there's one king and he's on the throne right now and always has been and always will be. But when we don't acknowledge that and we start to get into that headspace of like, no, 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 I want to do a build a God, which means that it's going to fit my needs and my wants and my desires. And what I'm telling you is that then everything is so self-centered on you, everything, because then whenever you have good days or bad days, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, say you wake up one day and you're like, yes, I feel really close to God. He's so good because I'm praying and I feel really close to him and everything's going exactly as I want. And I just got a job promotion and my family relationships are good and everyone's healthy and I'm thriving. God must be really awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. And then say six months later or next week you wake up and maybe you lost your job. Maybe someone in your family has gotten sick. Maybe your kids made bad decisions. Maybe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe you had all this financial hardship. And then you can blame it on God. And then you can blame it on God yeah. because you're saying, oh, no, now he's really bad. Like, now I don't even believe all the things that I believed before. Mm-hmm. But really what happened was you were never on a firm foundation. It was mm-hmm. always about you mm-hmm. and your faithfulness and your feelings when that's not what the Bible's about. It's about his faithfulness and just quite frankly, what he said. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the end of that story. <laughs> so we can't, we don't want to, we don't want to get into the build a God mentality. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. And it will lead you down a path that then once you start to question in the character of God and things, whenever things start going south, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you get into entrapped in, in sin. And whenever you start making decisions that otherwise you wouldn't have made. But when you see it as a kingdom, that there's one person in charge and I've submitted to this person. I'm not building a God. Actually, he's the one building me. Mm-hmm. That's it. That was so good. <laughs> if I could high five myself, like I would. <laughs> but he's the one who's building me. It's not the other way around. Right. And oh my gosh, that's so good, Sandy. Can you imagine? <laughs> and I think that's where I got, you know, as I told my testimony, that I think, you know, I got into the build a God mentality that he didn't do X, Y, and Z like I thought he would. Even though you were good, quote unquote, yeah, I was behaving a good, good person. But, and so, you know, but 
whether I have a good day or a bad day, it doesn't change who God is. Yeah. And it doesn't change how powerful he is. It doesn't change how holy he is. And, uh, and so I just want us to be able to see that rightly. And I know there's a quote that has been really floating around my head the last couple months. And it's um, A.W. Tozer. And he said, a low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils. A high view of God is a solution to 10,000 temporal problems. And I really feel like he's right. And so, yeah. you know, part of what I'm gonna, what we're trying to talk about today is that we have the, a right view of God, a right view of Jesus as the king on the throne. But also I want to, I just kind of want to twist this discussion just slightly in the sense that, so some people really, they do believe that, that he's this king who's on the throne and he's high and lifted up. But there is some people who believe that he's so far, he's so high up that he's unreachable wow. and he's unknowable. Yeah. And he's like way up there. And that's, and I just want to flip that around for a moment because it's, it's just, that's one aspect of God, but the other aspect is he's intensely personal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, Jesus wants us to live our lives in holy fear of him, in the fear of the Lord, but he also wants us to remember and know and walk in the truth that he radically loves us, like individually. It's not like, I mean, he loves us collectively as a people, but he loves every single human. And there are like billions of humans that he knows you know, the, the number of hairs on your head. He knows your, your heart's desires. He knows your dreams. He knows your passions. He knows your failures in the past. He knows the pain that you had because he, he sees every minute of your day. Yeah. So you do, we do have that, that God who's on the throne, the king, who's uh, just unfathomably amazing and powerful, but yet he's personal. And that's why Jesus came on this earth so that we would have a personal relationship with him. And so Molly, I want you to read Isaiah, just keep it in the Isaiah theme a little bit. Uh, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, if you can read that. Yes. Okay. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Okay, so that front part, there's the king of the universe and his power and his authority and his majesty on the throne. And then continue reading. And then it says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Okay, good. And so, um, and just so, let's get out of Isaiah just a little bit. Still talking about this theme that he's he's an intensely personal God who radically loves us. If you can read uh, the Zephaniah 3.17, which, by the way, is my favorite verse. So This is your favorite verse in the whole Bible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So, I mean, so yes, we have the king of the universe who's crazy powerful and amazing, but yet he says... Uh, in Zephaniah, it says he re- he rejoices over you with gladness. So I mean, he's it's he's showing the heart and the nature of Jesus that he loves us. He rejoices over us. It says he quiets you with his love that he loves us and he exalts over us with loud singing. In other words, 
I mean, that's a, the singing that he's proud of us. He loves us. He's right there with us. Right. And so can, right, why don't you read the other verse, the first John four, seven through eight. Okay. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Exactly. That's so good. And then do Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8. It says, But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, I mean, um, because he radically loves us, he came down here on this earth to die for us so that we, he died for our sins so that we could have... uh, a pathway, have a, a way back to the Father and have connection and have relationship with, with the Father, with Father God, and be back in the family of God, all because He loves us. And so, Molly, do you have... Yeah, and how crazy is that? Like, what what ruler, I mean, think about yes. even, or any other, like, in, in, in other religions... Mm-hmm. Like who has a God that is this personal and that, and that wants that relationship, even though they're the ruler, mm-hmm. like it goes, it's so counterculture, like, because you would think that in, in a kingdom that the king, you know, in all the movies or whatever, that it's like, I'm the king. I get what I want, when I want, yeah. and how I want, mm-hmm. like, and he could do that, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't because he loves us and he wants he wants that relationship. I mean, that was the whole point. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But to know that there's a there's a king in a kingdom who wants the relationship with his people, who he came to actually to serve in relationship so that we might have the honor, so that we might have the honor of getting to know him in relationship. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, and I'm, that's, so my favorite Let me just say one of my favorite verses right here. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. Okay. But it just kind of goes along, I think, with your testimony. And it says, and you did, it's Romans 8, verse 15. It's my favorite for right now. (laughs) And it says, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty that leads you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance and folding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Like who who does that? That our, our king wants to whisper, meaning he wants us to lean into him. He wants to be so close to us that he can talk to us in a whisper. And the thing that he wants to whisper to our innermost being is that we're his beloved child. That's what he wants to say mm-hmm. to us. The king he, of the universe. He wants me to get close to him so he can say that. Do you know? Like Yeah, that's way cool. And that you haven't been given a spirit of of religious duty that leads you back to the fear of never being good enough. And if I look at the testimony that you shared over your life Mm -hmm. about, it's not just about being good. Like you can't just be good enough to earn it or want it or, you know, or perform for it. And that will, that left you empty and dry and, Mm -hmm. and wanting. Yeah. 
And then, but if you hear it from the heart of God, of Sandy, you're God's beloved child. And that's what he wants to whisper to you so that you lean in close to him and hear that. Mm-hmm. And then it, it changes says, everything, doesn't it? But you've been given a spirit of full acceptance, like fully accepted and I think it's, by I mean, your and king. I, and I think I love that verse, but sometimes I think people think, especially people coming from my background, like the acceptance thing is more like, okay, he accepts you, but he's just kind of tolerating you. Right. But it's... It's not like that. It's way more than that, this especially the, if he's calling you beloved. And the, it enfolds you into the family of God. It's not just an acceptance of like, okay, I'm marking you as accepted. <laughs> like, this will pass, you know? Yeah. It's like you're accepted, meaning I'm bringing you into the family of God, and I want to make my fatherhood real to you as a father who loves and cares for his kids, and I want to give you good gifts. And like... That's that's who he is. This is huge. This could change everything. <laughs> and it did, I guess. Yeah. So it can change everything, and it already did. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think we've had a good discussion about um, the fear of the Lord and seeing God and Jesus correctly, mm-hmm. that we have, as, like, when we're operating in the fear of the Lord, that he is the most powerful being in the universe, and that... Uh, We've we've read about the encounters that people had, and the first thing they have are is this fear, and it's because of Jesus's righteousness, his holiness, and his power. It's just so different than anything that we see here on this earth, and mm-hmm. it strikes your heart. You can't like you can't get away from it. And so the, the, you saw the intense reactions. So that's God's power, and then we see we just had the discussion about how God is an intensely personal God and just radically loves us, and so. Um, and just also an FYI, there's a really good resource, um, a book that uh, that I really love, and it's fairly new, and it's by John Bevere called The Awe of God. And it's really, really good if, if you want to go, if somebody on the listening wants to go deeper and learn more about the fear of the Lord and about how crazy important it is that we see and worship God in a right way. Yeah. And so I just recommend that book. And so um, in the end, what I would like is for you, meaning the listener, if you uh, can be in a spot where you can close your eyes, I want Molly to read. There's a couple different verses I want Molly to read over you uh, as a prayer, and then Molly will close. But if you can close your eyes and just uh, imagine, use your imagination um, as Molly reads this, it, it's it's really impactful. Yeah. So close your eyes and try to engage your senses. And this is from Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. And it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then the second one is out of Revelation. This is chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, 
Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones. And seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there it was like a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. In the four creatures, each one of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within. In day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And I think on that note, thank you, Jesus, for every listener. Thank you, Jesus, that you're holy, holy, holy. Lord, let our spirits receive that truth. Lord, let us respond to your holiness with awe and wonder. Let us fall face first at your feet as though we were dead. God, and capture our hearts with your power and your authority and your beauty. And Jesus, we thank you that you're personal. We thank you that you're a king who wants relationship with us. We thank you that even though you're all powerful, that you're all relational. And God, let us be found wanting you to build us up, that we would look and move and have our being in you, and that we would start to look like who you made us originally to be. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. We ask that the fear of the Lord would be placed within our hearts and that we would respond to it. We thank you, God, that you and you alone will be the one who's high and exalted in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we'll talk with you guys next time. 